Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott with Pastors Brian and Matt. Hello. Hey. And today, we thought that we would fulfill your greatest desires. Yep. You, I think that everyone in the world right now, particularly in the church, yep. is just thinking to themselves, Yep. People aren't talking about politics enough. That's what I was thinking, too. You know what we need to do? I want somebody else to talk about politics. We've got our pulse. We've got our pulse <laughs> on the heartbeat of the church. <laughs> is that what we have? Yeah. You put the pulse on the heartbeat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> is that what it is? Finger we got our on the Finger pulse. on the pulse. What is the what Finger is the on phrase? the pulse of the heartbeat? Yeah, you get the finger. We got the pulse on the heartbeat. There's no heartbeat involved in, in the phrase. It's finger on the pulse. It's just, just the first two. Yeah, but there's a heartbeat involved in the pulse, Yes, right? that's accurate. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> We started game over again? set match. <laughs> no, nope. oh, we're going. We're just going. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> we're going to be talking about politics. Yep. And actually, as a church, we're going to be talking about politics for the next ten weeks. Ten weeks. Ten weeks. Right. We're we're, we're jumping off into a sermon series, a ten week sermon series on politics, which I think begs the question. Are we crazy? (laughs) (laughs) It's come up. (laughs) I mean, this this seems like both in one sense a really needed thing, but also a really bad idea. Yeah. So why why in the world are we doing a 10-week sermon series on politics? Brian, why did you insist on doing a (laughs) 10-week sermon series on politics? My baby. In case it goes poorly, we can just blame you for the idea. It was really not your idea as uh, a, an, a standalone thing. What? But. So, okay, that's actually a good question because I've been working on it for you know a long time now. But what? Where did it come from originally? Like, how? What's the, what's the genesis of calendar of meeting? Of that's what it was. So right. yeah, I mean, I did. So you know, three times a year we meet together, pastors, staff, and a few key leaders, just to to talk through the plan for the year. Um, those are worthless now, we've learned, because <laughs> you plan a year what? ahead. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Even the meetings were worthless. No, 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 no. People <laughs> invest a lot of time and energy. No, in no, no, no. I'm just saying. If you're like, a part of the le- those meetings and you're a key leader. You're not worthless. Yes. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is plans that extend 12 months. Any plans we've made in the last, you know, in the last 12 months that extend 12 months that are, are worthless. For example, what was the primary focus for 2020 for oh, the church? Oh, this is so good. We were about March, middle of March, which we were about to jump into a sermon series on missional hospitality. Yes. On hosting people in your home. Lots of people into your home, sharing food, hugging. Yes. We lots had a room physical with a closeness. holy kiss. Multiple months on just sharing food. It's a sharing indoor space. <laughs> yes. That was our plan. We had a whole sermon series for that lined we up. We totally I mean, did. Yeah, we totally did. And there's still an argument that there's some usefulness to that, and we could do that another time. But uh, those plans did not did not come through. They didn't. They didn't. But this this one has. And for a few years now, as we brainstorm with, particularly on those meetings, even with other key leaders, as we brainstorm with key leaders, one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again, and in just our normal conversations, is a sense of a need for a Christian way to view and to engage with politics. Because I think a lot of us feel like the ones we've been handed are 
problematic or overly simplistic. And we have a, a really, we have a diverse church in a whole host of different ways. And, and we have a diverse church politically. I think it begs the question, wait, like, are we doing something wrong? Like, is there a right political way forward? Or how, how do we even think about these? How do we engage about them? And I think that it, actually right now, it's more than at any other time in my lifetime. I think Christians are really confused. I think Christians are really confused about how to engage well, how to think well, um, when in a increasingly uh, divided and increasingly divisive political world. Um, and so that I, the the topics come up a few different times. And I think Brian, where part of where this came from is we've in those ideas, we've said, oh, we should do a blog about that or a blog series about that. And then everybody's like, mm. that doesn't sound like a great idea. It's like, well, maybe we'll just do a summer seminar on it. Like, mm. That doesn't seem like a great idea. Like, th- this just seemed so big and complex and multifaceted that the more and more we thought about it, I think the more we realized that it, it lent itself. So if we were going to provide um, leadership in this area, it was going to require more investment and more time so that we could explain things f- and the m- multitude of nuances uh, involved. So I, I think at least as far as my memory goes, I think that's where, that's where I remember it coming from. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I think that's, um, and that's probably one of the reasons that we're, we're so focused on it right now um, is because we, we try and pay attention to what people are struggling with. Um, and while most of our sermons over the course of the past like 10 years, 15 years have been going through books of the Bible um, mm-hmm. and trying to kind of not have the world around us dictate what's most important. Um, you know, it, when you let, let everything around you set the terms on what's most important, that can be not great to do all the time. There's plenty of times when that is the right thing to do. And this seems like one of them mm-hmm. um, where, you know, it, it kind of in a world where th- everything has gotten so politicized Mm-hmm. and so uh, divided um, that what, what's a Christian to do mm-hmm. in that space? And that seems like a question that's on a lot of people's minds from a variety of opinions and backgrounds. And it just seems really common. Like a, a, it cuts across a lot of other, uh, a lot of differences people might have with each other. Um, they're all kind of united on the fact that this is a crazy time to be navigating a space like this. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think it also begs the question, like what, Ideally, we would have this conversation in person, right? Like we would, and when we first, like a with, podcast where everybody's watching us. No, not this conversation. Oh no, okay, not <laughs> not this exact conversation. not this exact this conversation. The political conversation. The political conversation. I, you know, they have podcasts where people like there's audience members. You know, I know my sister has gone to some podcast recordings. Do you think we could do that at some point? Are we big enough? Nope. Okay. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't you want to see how the sausage gets made? <laughs> so, okay. I'm surprised I <laughs> wouldn't listen to this at all. <laughs> so, say it every, we say it every time. Why are you Why listening? Why are you listening? So, we, um, so ideally, though, when we originally had this idea, the, the idea, I just said idea three times in eight words. The idea was <laughs> that we would do this in person be able to engage with one another be able to have discussions and involved this seems a lot harder yeah be in our separated virtual context why still do it 
right? Like, what? Why? Why still do it in the midst of everything going on? Uh, I mean, the the big elephant in the room reason is there's an election coming up, um, mm-hmm. and so things are only going to get more heated. Like waiting until the time when you need wisdom to navigate things the most is kind of past. Not that this wisdom won't keep going. I mean, obviously it will, but it seems like one of the times that we really need to be able to know how to conduct ourselves, how to, what kind of posture to have, how to think about things that are going on around us and what it means to be like a Christian in this time and a Christian witness in this time is the time when things are like the rhetoric's heating up. Mm-hmm. And so to, to wait um, till later seems like to miss the opportunity when people need to be equipped the most. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. And I think, I think the reality is that if we as Christian leaders, and you know, we're, we're leaders within Cornerstone, West LA, right? So that's kind of our sphere of influence and, and why we're focused on a sermon series for our church and our people at this time. We know where you're at. We know what's going on. Um, I, I think the, the concern is because there's so much information out there and so much politicized rhetoric, as you're saying, Brian, on, on all sides, that I think the, the concern I would have is if we don't speak about it or don't mm-hmm. give guidelines that basically whatever the world is saying on whatever side you're on or whichever of many sides you might be on um, can fill that void. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is I think a lot of Christians get uh, really informed or formed in their political mm-hmm. thinking um, not from Christian perspectives, but from political ones. Um, and they might have a, you know, a cloak of Christian, uh, um, Christian ideals on them perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's not actually formidable, um, deeply rooted, theologically convinced, uh, principles that are guiding them. It's political principles. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's been this conviction, right? I think that increasingly we felt like to not do anything to not say anything is to let the voices in the world be the teachers and, it, and it's it's kind of to say like oh yeah that's 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 right enough that i don't need to say anything and i i, I don't think we feel like that's true and i i my, my hope is actually over the next 10 weeks that we're gonna surprise in some ways all of you Right, that no matter where you're coming from, no matter what your background Surprise is, is the word you chose, not surpri- anger. No, or- no, 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 oh, okay. no. We're a, we're a family. Oh, okay. We're a family, and families don't get angry at each other. No, they do. Okay, but they call it surprise. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was so surprised when you didn't do the dishes, Matt. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> so, no, but I mean, I, 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 our hope actually is is that everyone, like, that, that we will all be challenged and grow and grow closer to Christ through this where wherever we're coming from um, which I, I think though begs the question why uh, Brian why, why 10 weeks like wh- why not just like two sermons right yeah you know yeah I get that I mean, one before th- the election one after <laughs> yeah something like that I mean t- 10 weeks is a long time it, it is a long time um, and and there's lots of reasons for that I, I, I wouldn't I know there's probably plenty of pastors who will do one or two or maybe none and I don't want to cast any aspersions at other churches for like not so it's not like this is like the perfect way to do it and anyone who's not doing it is doing it wrong but to me um, there's a lot here uh, and what's crazy is we're not even we're not really touching in this series on certain specifics on certain like uh, here's the relationship between how you know the, the, the church and the state in a republic like the, like like we're not like like going into these like political theory political theology 
uh, things as much. So it's not like ten weeks on. Let's talk about Augustine's City of God and let you know, yeah. like, like like let's talk about these historic sort of more theoretical things. What we're talking about is the posture that Christians should have, the wisdom they need, and the understanding they should bring to a politicized culture that's about to have this really divisive election. Mm. Um, and that takes a long time because it's not just there's several things here. On the one hand, kind of to Matt's point, like if you don't if you think about social media or news media or any media mm-hmm. of any kind, mm-hmm. like newspapers, you know, like, like anything, um, and you think about the amount of time that you spend on those, and even if you are really... Brian really, looked at me when he said that, by the way, just as a heads up. <laughs> no, 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 not, yeah. not, not the whole sentence, just the you. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> If you, you think about how much time you spend... I mean, to be fair, there's only two people in the room. <laughs> it's, it's these two or the wall. Yeah, so, I think I'm sensitive. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm look sensitive. at the wall. So <laughs> he did this morning call me partisan. <laughs> that word did yes. come out of my mouth. It did. Um, it was Parisian. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because I do, I do feel that way sometimes. <laughs> baguettes everywhere. And bicycles. <laughs> Little basket on the front with the baguette in it. Um, so the if you think about, um, even if you're someone who really restricts, and this is the you I was looking at you for, because you, you actually do this, you, who restricts their time on those things to a pretty severe degree. So let's say that you're someone who's really careful about how much input you take in from these sources. You know, once a day, once every other day, there's a good shot you are still getting more input from those sources than you spend in the Bible, in prayer, and on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that you stay neutral there. So, like, it, it's not as though, well, I, I'm sort of, I stand neutral in the middle, and I can choose to lean towards sort of churchy things and spiritual things, or choose to let these other things affect me. What you do affects you because it's happening to you, no matter what, all the time. There's no way around it. And so there's a way that, and this is a a larger conversation in some ways, but there's a way that those things are forming you Mm -hmm. without you being like, I'm choosing to be formed by this right now. It just is in the water. And so that happens to you. And so for us to say, let's do one sermon on how to think about politics and just throw you back into that water doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It mm-hmm. feels like we need to really sit and immerse ourselves in a more formative experience. That, to be fair, when it's just 10 sermons and not accompanied by a lot of in-person conversations, a lot of other forming practices, is not what we'd like it to be. But those can also come later. It makes sense that doing 10 weeks and ideally following that up with, or even in the midst of trying to find ways in you know, kind of a city that might still be on lockdown of some kind, to find ways to do those formative practices is a way to get yourself in different water mm. that's that's shaping you in a different way. You know, it's interesting that uh, I would almost compare it to Christian teaching on sex, where mm. oh yeah, it, where there's when the church doesn't speak and provide like provide a, a, a comprehensive, theologically grounded teaching on the the topic of sex. There's so much input from the world, even if you're purposely trying to avoid it. Yeah. There's so much input from the world that forms your view of it that you need to have. A, I mean, we, and we feel uh, on that topic as well. We feel that the church needs to speak on it, that you need to have a corrective um, recalibration around what God says on the topic to be able to actually understand his design for mm-hmm. Uh, for this thing, whatever it is. Well, a big yeah. piece of that is is the imagination of it. I think that's part of why spending time is important. Like that, it's not just let's give you ten weeks of information. 
Um, yeah. In the same way that I, I think a lot of people, it's a great analogy because a lot of people do have grown up in the church, have, a, have all the information they need for a Christian sexual ethic. They mm-hmm. don't like, not like, well, I don't know what the information is. And sometimes people try and pare that down into sort of argument form. It's like, okay, well, here's you know, the Bible's authoritative and here's this verse and here's why it says this. Yeah. And so, so don't do this. Yeah. And then, they, so then the argument back is like, well, let me pick apart that syllogism and try and get some space to, and that's never, the point is you, we need to be as Christians presenting a positive mm-hmm. imagination for what the Christian sexual ethic looks like as a way of human flourishing in the world. Like you need mm. to see it, not just know it uh, intellectually. And in the same way with politics, what you the water you swim in is the kind of water that doesn't just give you information it gives you an imagination it gives you a vision it gives you a, a narrative a story of the world that you're in mm. and you only get one master story and so if you spend all your time in one story with the same plot line the same villains the same heroes the same uh you know quest to to to, to how to fix things and how to make the world better and, and you only kind of dip into this other Christian story once in a while, it's just not going to work. And so what we're trying to do in this series is not just give you some, here's the information, here's the theory on how to be a Christian. We're also trying to give you a positive like vision and imagination for what it could look like mm. to actually follow in the footsteps of Jesus, like the way of Jesus, a Christ-likeness in the midst of this actual place in real life. And I think that is one of the reasons I'm really compelled and excited for this series is because I think maybe in our generation, the natural tendency has just been to pull away, you know, mm, uh, because yeah. you have a lot of the evangelical church that was so engaged on on one side. There's kind of like this bitter taste in our mouth of like legislating morality and all these other things that have, have come up that there's almost be kind of turned to some kind of apathy at different points. And then there's also specific issues that have reignited that apathy out of apathy into interest again. But having that positive vision, I, I mean, having that compelling positive vision of not only um, the information, like you said, but this is this is what God has designed and how you can be engaged in this in a Christ-like way is really, to me, a very compelling um, perspective that I'm very excited about in this sermon series. Yeah, and I, I think that's, I, I want to actually talk more about that. I want to talk more about like kind of how this might hit what we hope for for those that are apathetic and maybe for those that are like really engaged um before we do i you know it's it's interesting as you were talking it makes me think it's almost a misnomer for us to say this is a sermon series about politics right what this is is this is a sermon series about god and his kingdom and it is calling us to meditate on that as that is lived out in a political the political dynamics in which we live mm-hmm. right and so i mean the the shorthand for it is it's a sermon series about politics but i think it's it it puts the focus on the wrong place right there's just it, if it were about politics in that sense it wouldn't be a sermon right if we were about politics it would be a lecture but that's not what we're doing it's about god right it's about a god-centeredness and it's about the center the our identity in his kingdom on earth as it's played out in a certain sphere um so I, it makes me wonder, actually, what, do you think it'd be helpful if, if, if we think about like these? If we give a voter guide, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> do you think it'd be helpful <laughs> if we told for, people exactly how to for vote local for judges. everything? I for local judges. Said, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> the ones you can never find any information on. Like, I, I don't know. No, but see, I, I, like, would it be helpful to, to give people the, our sermon titles, our working sermon titles? Whoa, we've never done that before. No, give them a I'm heads up. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. I'm wondering if we do it off the top of my head. Um, well, so here, I, I, we, no, we, can, I, we can pull it up. Let's see what we can do. Last time you tested... 
But what if they what if they don't want to listen to some of them and they just like tune out for the ones that they don't they don't want to listen. We won't to. tell them who's preaching which one. Oh, we're just gonna tell them the title. Okay, fair enough. And then they can. Okay, guess. so to start, because I think it you brought up something interesting. So the, the series is called Politics, and I think it's a good distinction you're making. Um, and this is where the podcast is helpful because this is probably something we're not gonna have time to talk about in the actual set of sermons. Mm-hmm. But I I would want to say that. The, the, the word politics, uh, the problem isn't that uh, we, we're talking about the kingdom of God, but we're calling it politics because like how that intersects. I think what we've done is we've shrunk the idea of politics down so small mm. that all we're talking about is typically federal government elections. Mm. It's like no, very few people are thinking about city council, though you might be, and that would fall under that sort of large, like sense of a government, you know, professional politician rubric. Um, but politics is is basically i think it, jamie smith said it was it's the art of living with difference hmm. and that's how politics has always been it's basically if you want to have people who have a different set of priorities or or who are just different in any way like any kind of family if you want to get past the like that that family structure that kind of kinship structure that unites you and work with anyone from an outside place outside of like the immediate family place or like the, the tribe or the you need some way of going about that and that's politics which means that every single person is engaged in politics. Mm. And that means that uh, every, uh, every Christian, like the kingdom of God is therefore eminently political. Mm. And we don't like saying that because what we think it means based on our definition is that we're reducing something so large and like overarching. Yeah, yeah. As like, well, this is just a way you should like vote or, or, you know, we're, we're, we're dragging God down into our political mess. Mm. But in reality, I think a broader understanding of politics actually helps us understand why a sermon series on politics would cover things like the fruit of the spirit, things like how to, how to be loving, uh, things like how to think well, love God with your mind, because what we're talking about is how we interact with each other in, 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 a, in a, a, a societal kind of way. And yeah. so, like, that's a, so that's a really interesting difference that I think is both a helpful distinction and one that shows off how we've lost our understanding of what politics really is mm. because of our distaste with it. We've shrunk it down into this thing we can sort of exclude to the side and say, I'm not political. Mm. Everybody's political. Every, there's no way to abstain mm-hmm. um, because we're talking about living in a society with difference. So that's a really fascinating thing. And to deal with that, mm-hmm. uh, the sermons uh, are uh, following Jesus in the frenzy. There's kind of an introduction in the frenzy of politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does following Jesus look like? Then there's one on uh, th- that I called, Why Are Things So Crazy? <laughs> that's a great <laughs> sermon like title, a, by the way. Like, Politics. Why are they? Because at some point, it does seem the volume is high. And I think an understanding, at least an examination, a little bit of of why. Why do things get so heated? Why this topic and not another one? Do things get so divided and heated up? What's that about? Then there's one on uh, patriotism and the kingdom of God, Mm. which is about how you kind of navigate both being patriotic. How do you love a country or a nation that you're a part of and be devoted to the kingdom of God and your heavenly citizenship? What does that look like? How do you navigate that? Uh, then there's one called God and Government, where or is it is it a different title now? Uh, Christians and Government. Christians and Government. Christians we, we, we haven't quite landed, but um, and that's going through Romans 13 and talking about you know what what is the the way that in this kind of classic text the Bible would say what's the posture we're supposed to have towards like the government in general. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you look at that? Um, how should we be thinking about them in this sort of general way? Then there's one uh, on is there a Christian political platform? So going yeah. to going All to Mark right. twelve October eleventh. Mark your calendars. Yeah. 
<laughs> Brian will tell you that's, what it that's is. That's right. Um, is there a Christian political Yeah, because platform? that's a big that one of the big questions is, you know, so are Christians committed to one particular platform or are they committed to being cross-platform or how, how do you think about it? are they committed to one issue or other issues or a set of how does that all work itself out? Mm-hmm. And I think we can go to the Bible and find some wisdom for that and also find a lot of grace uh, for others uh, as we look at that. Then after that comes the lens of love. Yeah. yeah, the lens of love and politics, talking about what it means to actually love, to follow Jesus' commands, to love your neighbor and love your enemy in politics. What does that really look like on the ground? Then there's how to think in the age of sound bites, uh, which is essentially about the idea that uh, I could probably nutshell it and say political parties um, mm-hmm. tend to succeed by keeping things more simple than reality. Um, mm-hmm. And by kind of using that to get people on, using sound bites to convince. And for a Christian to love people as their, you know, as, as love their neighbors herself and love God with all their mind, you're going to need to think past sound bites. That's why you will hear us say the word nuance a lot in these discussions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. Nuance is going to be a big deal. Uh, and if you don't like nuance, sorry. <laughs> I, and that's where I think, and that sermon in particular is trying to make the case that while we can't all be professional, you know, theoreticians and think through everything all the way down, like every time on every possible issue, we need to be people who have a posture that says that loving God with all your mind means trying to correspond to reality, not correspond to talking points. You mm-hmm. have to. And in as much as the talking points overlap with reality, that's great. Uh, but it, if they don't, then you need to be someone who loves God enough to say, I need to love the truth more than I love the talking points. Yeah. And so, and, and how do you do that? You know? and, and, and to show your age, I think the original title for this was like, how to think in an age of bumper stickers. It was. Yeah. And then we realized that bumper stickers like aren't, really a thing they're not a thing (laughs) actually the original was um how to how to be political uh in the age of beepers i think is what it was (laughs) when you get that mimeographed (laughs) platform (laughs) so then thinking well in pager code (laughs) remember pager code i remember pager code yeah vaguely uh, uh, I should have. A, I, I was re- that cool. I remember it vividly. <laughs> <laughs> you were that cool. That's. I mean, you also had bleached tips. <laughs> Dude, that was that was the same time as my pager. And I had a pager, earrings. and I swore. I told my mom, I will never get a cell phone. <laughs> never get a cell sellouts. phone. Those sellouts out there. I, I have a pager. A That's phone. all I need. <laughs> Those people with cell phones—they're ridiculous. What, that, what, what a what a like a a short a short-lived superiority yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> I do enjoy that. <laughs> All right. Okay, I, I after that, that is uh, the way of the cross and politics, um, which is one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most uh, because it's going to talk about uh, how Christians are called to follow Jesus in a posture of self-sacrifice uh, and uh, not considering equality with God a thing to be grasped, but it, as opposed to a posture of grabbing for power. And it's going to talk about how does God want to change things in the world? Like, how does that work? How does that look? And how should we then kind of, what, what should the aroma of a Christian be in a place that tends to thirst for power hmm. um, and, to, and, and to have politics revolve around that so heavily? How do we navigate that without, of course, you know, running off into a monastery or these other things are trying to, like, what does that look like? And what is the way of the cross? And how, how do we follow it? Um, how do you take up your cross daily when it comes to politics? Um, what, a, what a crazy question that is. That's not asked really ever. Yeah. Um, 
and then we will have uh is that after that one's the election yep. so then we'll have an yep. election that'll be on tuesday um we will know the results within three weeks or so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I mean i don't know at that point i don't know what's going on um that's part of, i mean it's so funny that's part of the part of the heat of the rhetoric is yeah. all these expectations about what's going to happen um who knows yeah. uh but after the election, the Sunday after the election, Sunday after the election, we will have uh, a message called uh, "Politics, Hope, and Eternity," um, which is basically uh, looking forward. A lot of the Christian perspective on politics is connected to what comes next and mm. how that plays with what is happening now, um, and that kind of overlap and interaction is massive. And I think a time after, assuming we know something. Um, some people are happy and some people are sad. Uh, that's the time to talk about how what comes next impacts now and what hope looks like. And then the week after that... And by the way, I, I just want to say, we say that the happy, sad thing. Right. The, the reality is there's a lot of complicated emotions. I, like, there are people that I know who, who will feel maybe devastated. Like, I'm like more than just sad. Like I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand yeah, that's a good point. or... Uh, I don't want to overlook the fact that some people are so in, you can be so engaged in this. It feels like devastation to yeah. lose, or it feels like, you know, salvation to win. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. there's, there's a lot of heavy emotions in here. I, I just wanted to, I wanted no, that's to helpful because those that. words can be flippant. Like, totally. yeah, I think that's right. And I think, that I don't think that's how you meant it. I just, no, it but just, hopefully by then too, there will be after, you know, nine weeks or eight weeks mm -hmm. of this, there will be, a, a new, a burgeoning posture in all of us to where none of us are elated and everyone's a little bit sad. Mm. That's, I would suggest that's the proper, in fact, yeah, I, I thought many times that like, there's a lot of Christians who, no matter who wins, you need to be at least a little sad mm. um, because the kingdom of God isn't here yet. Mm. And if that's not on your radar at all, mm. um, there's something a little bit off. I, I'm not trying to take away from the idea that certain values and priorities are, are so strong and so valid that you can be excited. I'm not trying to take that away, but there is a way that to be people with a foot placed firmly in both places, not just one, there's always a tinge of sadness. And in a church body where politics is not the defining factor, there's always a little bit of sadness that comes just with empathy. Mm -hmm. Always, always, always. Yeah. There's never a way to be just elated. You're always, there's always a little bit of empathy. There has to be. Mm -hmm. So it is complicated. I think complicated is the right way to say it because it, it's, it's a complicated mix of things. But hopefully by then we'll have a taste of what that's like and then to cast a vision for where our real hope is and what eternity looks like and how that eternity is is explained for us, especially as you get to Revelation, in very political terms um, because it's talking about living together and what that looks like in the kingdom of God. Uh, I, it, what a better time than to look at that. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the week after that, we'll have one called uh, Unity in Politics. I think I gave it. This one needs to get fixed because it's got like three colons in it at some point. The politics, <laughs> colon, unity in politics, colon. I think it's how, how, how to stay uh, political but not partisan at Cornerstone. Mm. And the idea is that a couple weeks after the election, we're not going to be done talking about politics. Politics is a, is a it would be a factor even if things felt calmer. And so we need to be a place that knows how to be united as we discuss things that we're going to have differences on mm. and like a family, we need to be able to talk well about it and not fracture and come apart. So what does that look like practically? How are we going to move forward as a church when div political division probably isn't done, mm. you know, on November 6th. And, <laughs> like, and, and, and we firmly believe exists among genuine Christians. Absolutely. In our church family. 
right? So, okay, so with that, I think that there's th- there's almost a couple of different, that, that's super helpful. And actually, it, that makes me really excited. Again, it just, I mean, every time I, I look at it, every time I think through what this is going to entail, it makes me really excited, both for, I think, how the Lord's going to grow me through this, through just this meditation on him and the kingdom of God in the con- on, in this context, um, but also for our church family. I think it's, this is a really important um, investment and, and step forward and, and clever. And I think a lot of us are just really, really hungry for some guidance, for some genuine wisdom, for some biblical wisdom um, to navigate these areas. And so as, as you think about that, you, you, we can talk about how there's different people with different political um, you know, convictions. But Matt, you mentioned something earlier that I, I think not only, you know, on the political spectrum of like, you know, left versus right, things like that, th- there's also a significant difference in how engaged people are. Mm-hmm. I think some people, I think, feel really strongly engaged and really invested in the outcome um, of the election. And I think a lot of other people feel just really unengaged. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it, it it doesn't make sense. The whole thing seems like a mess. Like, I don't even know why I, I'd engage. So I, just as we s- sit and look forward to this sermon series, what would you, what would you want to say to, uh, let, let's say something to each of those groups. What would you say to the unengaged as they approach this? And maybe even say, dude, 10 weeks, like, this is like, it's, there's too much of this already. Right. Like, why are you spending so much time? Like, what, what like, would you I'm already to, sick of it. I'm yeah, already I'm already sick, sick of, of it. it. And now I'm going to have to go to church every Sunday morning. I'm going yeah, to church. Church was church. a place to be like safe away from it. And totally. now, I, now I now I have to hear about it. Yeah. So what what, what would you want to say to those that are unengaged um, as we enter into the sermon series? I think uh, I resonate with that. Like personally, that's probably where my proclivities tend to lie is like I, I there's so much going on. There's so much. both sides there's so much just kind of coming and so much volume that it's like I just kind of want to excuse myself from that level of noise and kind of find a different place to be Mm. that's probably my more natural reaction and there's a couple of reasons why as someone with that natural reaction I would still want to (laughs) do 10 weeks and think you should still listen Mm. one is just that there's a calling on our lives to to participate loving your neighbor as yourself isn't something that you can sort of slice and dice however you want it um, and God wants us to love our neighbors ourselves, not because he's giving us arbitrary commands, but because he thinks it leads to our flourishing and, and our neighbors flourishing. And that that's the kind of world he wants us to be a part of, you know, uh, making a, a society he wants us to be a part of participating in. And so politics is part of that, whether, whether we like it or not, it affects our neighbors. Hmm. And so loving your neighbor means you have to, you have to deal with it somehow. You can't just walk away. Um, walking away means that you are in a position where it doesn't affect you in a way that you have to pay attention. And that's not that's not loving your neighbors yourself is to take advantage of that position and then kind of, you know, walk away. But the other thing is I, I think there's the reason why you want to walk away almost all the time is because you, you look there and you kind of are saying, whether you're consciously or not, like the things I love, the things that I care about, they're just not here. They're somewhere else. And mm-hmm. this this discussion, this conversation is so heated that it's just not a place I'm not seeing uh, Jesus uh, flourish. I'm not seeing those things here. Mm. Uh, and I think that if we read our Bibles correctly, we would we want to say, no, uh, we need to find a way to be able to picture, to envision, to understand 
how Jesus is present in these things in a way that calls us to himself, in a way that says, the thing you love about me, I can draw you towards in this context just like any other. Mm-hmm. And so why in the world wouldn't we want to take something that feels so off-putting, that feels mm-hmm. so, like such a mess, and say, and Jesus says, I want to show you how I can be in the midst of this, and I can make you a, a powerful witness and someone who brings love and peace in the midst of this. Why wouldn't you want to enter that conversation that was so off-putting before and be like, wow, I'm, I see the Jesus I love compelling me further in. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? And that's what this series is in, in many ways about, is Jesus has a presence in this place in this political place and what and he wants us to be a city on a hill not just in the context that we're like yeah let's do this one he wants us to be a city on a hill here he wants us to be people who have a hope and manifest the fruits of the spirit and know how to love with you know peace and kindness and believing all things and enduring all things like that doesn't you don't just get to like excuse yourself from that and why would you want to if he has something like that for you there mm-hmm. and so to me that's the the biggest the best way of thinking about this is thinking this is a place where you get to go somewhere that you thought was just a mess and find the very things you love the most in the very middle of it in a way that you never saw before. Why not expand you know, your vision that way? <laughs> it's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I, I guess if Brian represents the, the less engaged or, or <laughs> can resonate on that side of things, I feel like I represent the more engaged on this side. And I think for those who are on the, on the extremely engaged, and I, I would say we have quite a few um, in the church on variety of sides. Our church is fascinating. Yeah. I, and I don't know if everyone understands this. There are people in the church who work for mainstream media companies like the Los Angeles Times. Mm-hmm. There are people in our church who have written for places like the Federalist. And mm-hmm. so you have kind of a wide range of political uh, engagement in the church. Yeah. But I would say there is a good amount of people who are politically engaged, like I said, on a variety of sides. And, and, and actually, I mean, I, when, when I think about that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, sorry to cut you off, no, but I, I want you to go, like, I, when I think about politically engaged, I think it's not just like they are, are doing things, but they, they care deeply. Right. Right. And, and you, you said earlier, like salvation, but I, I think in some ways, like it's actually, it, it's actually more about fears. Not, not that like if, if the thing I want to happen happens, everything will be Right. But it is, if the thing I don't want to happen happens, everything is going to go wrong, right? Like, uh, th- this, and it's, gonna, it's going to be devastating. To yeah. be engaged is to have your emotions as a part of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, your, t- your, your emotion is tied. Yeah, I, I, I say the, the, um, the media companies, not as those people being engaged, but that we have all sides. On, totally. on, 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 uh, Which is important to underscore. Yes. Yeah. I think it's possible to assume a lot about the people that are in the church. Absolutely. On a lot, in a lot of ways, we're, we're all susceptible to it. But just so you hear it from us, yeah. there are people on all sides in our church. Well, and there's a lot of assumptions that can be made about the church for a variety of reasons. And, and, well, let, me, let me just quickly clarify. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not on all sides of every issue. No. On all sides of the political spectrum. Right, because like yeah, there's like th- th- there are entire community groups and we're gonna that get are just communists. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we're like we're, we're, we're like we're gonna. I mean, and we're gonna get to this as we yeah. talk about political platforms and things just like kidding. that. Like th- we're not saying that no uniquely Christian principles exist. Right, there are things that as a Christian, there are principles as a Christian that we we have to value. Um, but when it comes to the outworking of that, how to bring those things about um, on the modern political spectrum, we have people on all sides of. That. Well, and, and I would say, 
if you have certain assumptions about where the church is at on a political spectrum, I, my guess would be you're wrong. Um, <laughs> and so the, the, the thing I would say to the yeah. people who are engaged, yeah. who, whose emotions are tied to and connected to uh, political outcomes or, or um, uh, political parties or uh, ideologies or whatever it is, I would say um, the lens that, we, that you normally think through this, these issues on are political lenses that need to be just put to the side and probably replaced with a biblical lens. And that's what we're trying to do. I hope and pray that for those of you who are politically engaged on all sides, this sermon series would critique, correct, reform, and reshape the way you think about and engage in politics. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that you're all doing it 100% wrong, but it's so easy and it's going to be so easy for a lot of the people who are engaged to listen to these sermons and think, yeah, the other side really struggles with that. And you can do that with any sermon we preach. You can say, yeah, other people really struggle with that. I hope and pray. And, and actually, as we go into this, I would encourage everyone who's really politically engaged and, and really everyone in the church to pray and ask God for a lot of humility, to hear truth from God in the midst of divisive, complicated, um, uh, uh, political, partisan um, a partisan world that is very divided, uh, it's so easy to hear in our own uh, lens and not actually just hear from what God is saying. And we're not trying to pro provide a specific partisan lens. We're trying to speak and communicate truth and principles from God and his word that shape, correct, and reform the way you think about and engage in politics. Again, I'm not saying we're trying to get you to change your position on specific issues or your or what party you're registered to or anything like that. We're trying to reshape and, and change and reform the way that you think about the lens through which you see and engage in politics to be a biblical God honoring lens. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the best phrases I heard just in some of the research for this is that the, the challenge is to stop filtering your faith through your political lens and start filtering your politics through your faith lens. And it, it's so hard that almost all of us think we've already done it. Hmm. Like that's how hard, it's so hard that we think we've already done it. And I thought that was a really great way to put it yeah. because that's, that's the challenge for all of us. Whether you're, you feel disengaged, you feel like you've done that and that's why you're disengaged or you're engaged. You feel like you've done, that's why you're engaged. And the challenge is to, to love God and to love our neighbor enough to say, even though it's hard, we should be called to do it. And that that's where the joy is, is in letting our faith, letting Jesus himself be the one who we filter things through. It makes me think of the fact that what we are seeking to do is also not just help us to think more biblically in the content or like theoretically, but to live more biblically, to, to have the, the biblical worldview and, and Christ-likeness to it, fill us and imbue our thoughts and imbue all of our engagement, right? Which, which makes me think that one of the, one of the things I would encourage, whether you're uh, disengaged or engaged, one of the things I would encourage you to look for and try to both bring about in your own heart and also look for as we teach about this are the fruit of the spirit. Like our, the thing we are praying earnestly for is that we would engage in this in love with joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. And I think on all sorts of political sides, what um, 
condemns so much of even when people claim it to be Christian thought is when it's completely absent of the fruit of the spirit. And I think that that just like Jesus taught that they're going to know that we're his disciples by the way we love one another. I think we're going to know that there's something genuine. There's something actually important to the way we're talking about and thinking about uh, politics because of uh, it's interwoven with how we do it, with how we do it with one another, with how we do it as a church family, and even I think how we do it over these 10 weeks. Because um, I, I, I think that we, we can't be the genuine church without w- taking 10 weeks to talk about politics in a way that is strikingly different than the way the world talks about it. Um, and so I, I think it should not only be different in content, but it should also feel uh, shockingly it different. It feel very different. And yeah. that's, that's one of the main themes that'll run. I mean, there's probably four or five different kind of themes that run through the whole series, but one yeah. of them is that the, the way that we think about and, and discuss politics is at least as important, if not more important, than what we think and what we discuss about politics. Yeah. And I think that's the only the only reason a series looks like this with so much emphasis on like the lens of love and mm. like how did they like why aren't we talking about the real issues? Well, mm. because those are the real issues. Yes. Um, if you want to talk about the Bible, you know, shaping you, those are the issues. Uh, and, and the other things are very important. It doesn't mean the other things aren't important, but it means that if we want to weight things the way the Bible does, we're going to weight them that way. Did, does, don't we all like feel that tension, right? We're like, okay, wait, you're going to talk about like love and being kind to each other and like. I think we all feel like, okay, get past that and talk to the real issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that exposes uh, the way our worldview is has gotten tweaked from the biblical worldview that God gives us you in scripture. Can't worship, like genuinely worship Jesus Christ, who accomplished things by becoming insignificant mm. in, in every conceivable way. And who then said, follow me, you know, make disciples who look like me. You can't worship that, like a God who is like that. And then turn around and say, that's all great, but those don't work. Mm. Uh, And that's part of the way of the cross. And and there's more to talk about there. That's a really complicated. I'm not saying that you just sort of abstain and like, of course not. There's, there's things that we're called to do. There's things we're called to be. There's, there's ways we're called to engage and those have practical ramifications. But at some point, we have to reckon with the fact that God changes things like yeast in dough. Mm. You know, like he, he, the way that the Bible is set up and the way that Jesus's life works, the way that Paul's life works, where he's constantly talking about, I know I'm in prison, but it's for your glory. It's like, this is how the gospel works. Mm. I get relegated to some random you know, cave or like house in Rome for like years on end. And I write a couple letters that don't seem like anything. Like this is the, you know, 12 really scared men, you know, that became yeah. 11 because one of them sold the, all the other ones out. This is how this stuff, and so at some point you have to reckon with what the story of Christ means as your story, yeah, and how that's going to inform how we think about a world that says it's got to go in the other direction if you want to make any political change, if you want to really be effective, if you want to get away from what you fear and get towards what you love, it has to look like this method. Um, it's going to be really hard for a lot of us to be swimming that a long time and have for a long time, but that's that's where some of the challenge is and that's where faith comes in and living by faith and not by sight. And I would suggest it's actually a decent amount of sight <laughs> just mm. in looking at Christian history. <laughs> like hey, there's plenty of ways that you see how this actually works, but the rhetoric just spins you up 
Mm. And so for us, it really is about meditating on Christ and meditating on Jesus and what it means that that really is God in the flesh that shows us what God is like and says we ought to be like God. We ought to mm-hmm. be Christ-like. What does that mean in this world that tells us the opposite all the time? Yeah. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be good. It's going to anchor us, I think, in ways that we a lot of us feel unanchored right now because I would say that for a lot of people uh, are, are in some ways a little bit engaged and a little bit not. They're just overwhelmed. They're just sort of like I hear I I'm both scared and not scared. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to I don't know how to just begin to enter into this space with it. So I just I try to avoid it not because I, I'm like disengaged. I don't like it. I just don't know what to do. Um, and to be anchored in Christ and feel like you have a way of being um, that you didn't have before. I just find it so compelling. And I think for myself, going through it for ten weeks is going to be very very helpful. Uh, even though I'm doing a lot of the preaching, I'm learning with you. Because we're looked, we're looking to posture ourselves like Jesus in a, in a world that's political. So what does that mean? And let's let's do it and find our flourishing and find find Him there, uh, bringing the joy that He brings as we go. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm really excited about that. I think it is going to be really, really good. I think it's going to be good for us as individuals. It's going to be really good for us as a church. So, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you virtually as we begin to talk about politics on Sunday.